0: Big hello to everybody around this magnificent country of ours as we come to you from our Step Outside studios here on the sunny Gold Coast. Hope you're all been keeping safe and well. Uh, if you saw today's show, edition of Step Outside with Paul Burt, you saw us up there at Wreck Reef on the beautiful, luxurious boat, Big Cat, with Captain James McVeigh. And a good mate of mine from Shimano, Leroy Horton, who joins us on the show right now uh, from Evans Head. Good afternoon to you, mate. How are you travelling, buddy?
1: Really good, Bertie. How are you
0: today? Mate, I'm all right, thank you. I tell you what, I thought I got around, but geez, you do get around. I mean, uh, mate, Big Cat, now Evan's head, obviously all for Shimano. You're setting up the tents there because it's a very big competition.
1: Yeah, it's an awesome event, mate. Normally you can bring in anywhere between 600 to 1,000 people, depending on the holiday crossovers with Mm. Queensland and New South Wales. But um, yeah, a bit of rain this season, but yep, still got the tents set up, mate, and still had all the kids' comps running. And that's
0: what it's all about, you know, getting the kids involved in fishing. I remember watching Rex Hunt was oh, I was a much younger fellow then, and uh, you know, seeing the kids the catch and kiss and all that sort of stuff. But one of the experiences that you and I had recently was out on Wreck Reef, and uh, I tell you what, there wasn't really much catch and kiss out there because you wouldn't uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have your lips on your face, would you? No,
1: nah, mate, a lot of toothy critters <laughs> out that way. <laughs>
0: There's a lot, a hell of a lot. Hey, on today's show, mate, we uh, we showed micro jigging. Now I had a lot of people asking me the questions about the gear that we've been using because some of the snippets we've been sending out, these rods uh, are bending from the butt to the tip i mean it's technology that is so much far advanced than what i've seen before and the, the the size of the fish that you are capable of pulling in it just doesn't have logic to me it, it doesn't add up how, how is this so mate tell me about the me- benefits of micro jigging or more effectually known as you call it jiggles
1: the jiggles uh well it's definitely one of my favorite sort of styles of fishing i guess the advancement in technology and the blank construction especially in like the japanese domestic market model stuff these days or jdm uh is sort of it's just crazy how small and light they can make a rod now but the power that they still pack is just phenomenal
0: but it is phenomenal because you are just normally not used to seeing something bend so far and and you're not really initially when i hooked up the some some decent fish i was a little hesitant to give it the the guts and the glory but you were saying get into it get into it otherwise you're going to lose it so i did and and mate there were no creaks or groans from the rod it, it pulled back 20 kilos of gt immediately
1: i guess a lot of people uh these days are sort of moving towards it because it allows the use of like smaller heavier lures uh quicker way to your fast and faster to your target depth it allows you to use thinner lines and lighter outfits, so you can use them a lot longer. And that's just a few of the probably key benefits, uh, I think, of micro jigging.
0: Mate, there's a, a couple of different, obviously, you know, usages of uh, of fishing. Uh, you can either have the method of overheads or spin fishing. Mate, what's the best? What's the benefit of each? Do you think?
1: I think it's an individual experience. You're both doing similar actions depending on the type of lure that you're using. But for the largest part, for me, it's definitely the line capacity versus the weight of the combo. So for me personally, it's definitely the overheads.
0: Yeah, I find that's a lot easier. Using your finger to guide the line. I mean, you know, I know you and I have both been using overheads pretty much our whole life. So it becomes second nature. Uh, but yep. for, for first time, is that something you've really got to get used to? Because if you're onto a good fish and you're not using your finger to guide the line on correctly, then you're going to get bunched up. You're going to become a, a whole lot of hurt before you even know
1: it. Yeah, exactly. But you'll even see now some of those Osha jigger ranges gilly really allows you to remove your thumb completely and it'll send the line down on its own.
0: Yeah, I like, I like that idea. Mate, um, the rod that goes with it, now we're talking about that rod a minute ago, the game type slow J, the PE range of jig stits, where do they start and where do they end up? What What sort of, you know, I guess, range are we looking at?
1: I guess these are probably your higher end model of of rods. Uh, they're a light graphite construction. The game type J slow jig uh, comes in seven models uh, in a range of PE two all the way up to your PE six.
0: Mate, your PE three that you're running. What does PE mean, by the way?
1: Well, well, generally PE is actually not the strength but the diameter of the line used. But as an approximate. As a, or as a minimum, PE one should equal at least PE ten. But you'll find in a lot of ranges, it'll be well above.
0: So I guess a PE three is that like sixty-pound line class? Is it or something? Or what are we looking at? It,
1: it's a minimum of double, but you should be slightly over. Probably in that sort of yeah, that forty to sixty range at least.
0: Unbelievable, mate. Um, the line class to suit those Osha jigger reels. Uh, you know, what what is it that we're looking at? Because I know you had the the, the 1500, I used the 2000, you had a left-hand wind, I had a yep. right-hand wind. So we're basically just using the reels to their best, you know, capability in, in the most harshest of conditions, and they, they they worked the treat, they came up with the ticks up straight away. Mate, what are, what are we looking at within line class to suit a reel? Can you put on a PE6 line class, say, onto a, uh, onto a 1500?
1: You can, but ideally you don't really want to because you're really going to lower that depth range that you can fish. Because,
0: you know, I I do get a lot of guys saying to us, you know, Bertie, we're going out, we're fishing, you know, new frontier grounds, grounds that a lot of people uh, hit harder, the the 40, 50, 80-metre mark, but now they're going out to 150 metres where they're still pearl perch, they're still getting their snapper and their kingfish, but these guys are running, is running this particular sort of gear there, and they say the um, OSHA 8. Uh, you know, maybe a say 56, like a P3 or something like that, maybe it might be. Uh, and they're running that line class in that depth because it's so thin that they can cut through the water and they can get their jig down to that depth. I mean, this is stuff that we haven't really sort of been used to doing beforehand. It was knife jigs, you know, the, the, the blue water or the deep water 400s and all that sort of stuff there with a, a 20,000 Saragossa or a Stella and dropping down and working the hell out of your arm. But it's a totally changed perception of jigging now, which is quite enjoyable. No, it's awesome. Mate, the Osher 8 braid, what are the benefits over other lines compared to uh, that particular model or style?
1: Uh, I guess with the Osher 8, it is a Japanese eight-strand construction. It actually has heat sink coating. It's got a colour change every 10 metres and has a really strong breaking strain for its diameter. Um, the benefits, it does come in a 300, 400 and 500 metre spools. So depending on the size of that reel that you're choosing, you can choose uh, the, the length and equivalent sort of length for that. When you're looking at tying
0: your knot, uh, your braid to your reel drum, what, what particular knot do you tie? Do you put the braid directly onto the drum or do you put a little bit of monofilament on the back end?
1: Uh, It it does depend. Again, it comes to how many metres of braid you've got. Uh, Personally, I'm no expert, but I do like to do a couple of wraps of of mono and then tie on my braid. But if you don't, you can also do like a couple of half hitches after a few wraps uh, and make sure you just reverse them every second one if you're going to do that so it doesn't slip.
0: Yeah, I did notice that I had many, 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 many years ago is uh, I had braid straight onto a reel and it, it it was actually turning on the drum. It wasn't gripping, so that was my life long learned life lesson is to put some sort of backing behind the braid because, yeah. you're know, you hooking on a decent fish, you're never going to get it tight. Because one thing I, I noticed yeah. is when you and I are fishing, we both put I think it's 400 meters onto our 15 and 2000 um Osha Jigger reels, and it, we had the spool filled to the brim. But after yeah. a week fishing of just getting absolutely bent to the bow rail, mate, we, we probably had maybe five or six mil of of gap from the top of the spool down it was and we put it on really bloody tight like it was so damn tight but then the fish just pulled it even tighter
1: yeah it just goes to show you the strength of those fish and then how much you can actually add on if you can get that uh, wound on a lot tighter it's incredible mate how much leader
0: do you use i know you love your jigging how much leader do you use between the rod tip and the lure
1: uh it's again i sort of run it off the length of the rod and then i add a, f- a couple of feet um but if it's casting or jigging it's it's a little bit different uh, when it's casting i like to have the um the leader about a foot away from the reel so that you um you don't actually have that rubbing
0: what knot do you use when tying braid to mono leader
1: uh for jigging i always use an fg uh it takes a hot minute but they hold firm and have way less stress on your guides, for sure. You
0: use, I saw you tying an FG. You do it differently. You don't use a bobbin? No. Nope. You uh, <laughs> run through how you tie it, because I don't know. I looked at you tying this thing on the boat, and I just went, I don't know how you did it, man, but that was pretty, pretty impressive.
1: It's pretty easy, to be honest. Just tighten your drag right up, pop your rod in the rod holder, put the, um, the, the braid in your mouth and then I just do my over-unders straight in front of me, about half a foot in front of my face, and then you just finish it off in, in your hands in the boat. It allows you to do it sort of while you're out in the water without too much hassle or fuss of loose line flowing around everywhere.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not that advanced, mate. I just stick to the old double uni knot because I can I can tie that with my eyes <laughs> closed. But the knot is a bit bigger. <laughs> it is a bit yes. bigger, but, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of works. Hey, um, why why is it so important to wind the bra- the braid on so tight? you Hook onto a fish if it's loose, what could happen?
1: I've definitely learned the hard way over the years, yeah. um, but it definitely stops line wraps and jams. Okay. And most importantly, like that, that's a quick way to lose a fish in any day of the week. Yeah.
0: Mate, I, I could imagine it, and it certainly is because it just jams under each other. And the thing is, when people are uh, dropping a jig down, or you know, you might just give it a flick away from the boat, whatever. But um, if you do get an overrun, it, it always your braid will always come to a point you'll notice that the braid will come to a loop where the main line will hook around it. And that's what generally stops the, the line from spooling out. That's how you get your overrun. And how many of those overruns you get can depict on how thick it's going to be. It's If you find that little, that little hook part where the line's caught up, if you give that a pick with your finger and pull it out, generally that'll... Uh, that'll uh, eliminate that that overrun straight away. And you'll yeah, you,
1: to you seem to be a lot better at that than I was. I am damn good at that because I've got so many. <laughs> had the practice hey, over the years. <laughs> oh,
0: bullshit. You know, the thing is it comes back to, yeah, it has, from charter fishing, mate. When you get so many people on your boat and that's happening all the damn time, you learn not to use overheads to go back to the Saragosis because you don't get that issue. I can tell exactly. you now. Hey, Mate, when you're tying the lure on, you don't use an FG knot. You use a different knot. What sort of knot do you use for tying lures onto your uh, to your jigging sticks?
1: Um, generally, I do like a a double double uni. So it depends on the weight of the line. So you okay. want to get at, at least four wraps, okay. up to a maximum of eight. Okay. If you don't like those, that are going to be tight all the way to the jig, uh, you can do a loop knot or a non slip loop knot.
0: Okay, that's like a uh, like a fly knot type thing. Lefty, yeah. Blade, fly you-
1: knot. You, you put the, the loop in the line uh, prior to passing through the eye of the jig and then back through that and then wrap up and then back through.
0: I notice as well is um, the drag. It's got to be done up tight.
1: How tight should you have the drag? Ooh, again, it comes back to all the previous questions. So what, what line strength did you go with? What reel size did you go with? But generally you want to be about half as much of the drag as it is the line strength
0: so it comes down to it really comes down to i guess experience because you know you're not going to go out there with a uh a micrometer measuring the 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 braid or a or a uh, or a set of scales going right i'm set at one third or one quarter or one half you're going to you know you grab a a length of your of your leader and off your reel and you just give it that if it's tight and you know you're going after big fish like if you're after kingies or or amberjacks, and you know they're decent fish, you're going to have a fairly tight tight drag. But if you're after snapper, you have to snapper, you don't have to go as tight, do you, really?
1: Correct, yeah, because you're going to have like a third of the, the strength as well for snapper.
0: What's the best depth for micro jigging there, Leroy? Because, you know, we, we were fishing some deep water but also I yep. know you at Evans, you like to fish the shallow water. What, what, what's the best depth? What can it achieve?
1: Um, well, I guess it, it's got to be based off the the fish that you're targeting. So where are they going to be located? Um, but you've got to uh, pull in a lot of other factors like your drift, your depth of water, uh, the current, the angle of the wind. Is it going to send you over the mark? Is it going to send you past the mark? Um, so it, it really actually depends on what you're chasing. But I guess from you can pretty much micro jig from 10 meters to a hundred pretty effectively if the right, if you're in the right scenario, but really like personally, I love the 30 to 60 meter mark. And that 50 seems to be my go-to.
0: Is there a rule of thumb there, Leroy, for a lure weight to suit a particular depth that you can like, you know, say you've got a, uh, a 60 gram jig or an 80 gram jig. Okay. That jig, depending on current, I understand there's variables, but is there a, a rule of thumb that you should have a tackle box that's got that style or that weight of jig that you're going to take out? for fishing say 30 meters of water?
1: Well, there's the, you should always have a couple of different sizes yeah. just in case it, it's a little bit different to what you expected. Um, but there isn't a solid rule, but I always like to, to double my jig weight to the depth as a starting point. So you'll find, your, you'll find your, your jig fall and then don't lose that 15 degrees plus or you'll lose the accuracy. So if you start to do that, then you have to go up in weight.
0: Mate, the retrieve can be varied. Um, tell me the best, retrieve to suit, say the, the Colt sniper, the wonderful jig because that jig absolutely crushes it and that's, that's one you should load up in your tackle box.
1: Well, I'm all for preserving my energy, <laughs> so doing, I doing, the that. Old, <laughs> yeah, doing the old, gentleman's doing the old gentleman slow pitch and then one wind yeah. allows me for sort of maximum jig involvement in that strike zone, sort of that last sort of five to ten meters.
0: Yeah, and and, and I like to um, I like to just you know keep working the. I <laughs> I go hard.
1: I go... You go really hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I go hard. Like any fish that comes nearby, I might my lure is so erratic it'll either jag it in the head or be you know it'll uh, it'll pull it out of the zone too quick but you are i did notice and i learned a lot I, I love learning stuff with with different people and i learned a hell of a lot from you fishing with you and that is something is to slow things down let yeah. that rod tip flick let the nice little jigs let the lure do what it's designed to do and let the rod do what it's designed to do as
1: well. And the reel exactly, but it, it can get a little bit exciting and, and sometimes you get a bit carried away. <laughs> I get but, carried away a lot, mate. <laughs> but both, but, but both in both situations, they both worked at the end of the day. I just yeah. think I was less tired.
0: <laughs> mate, I reckon, oh, hang on, you caught bigger fish, mate. So, you know, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> hey, what about a heavier jig? Can you use that same? gentleman's retrieve of a nice little sort of you know flick and twitch type thing, or should you go a little bit more on a heavier jig to get it working better
1: well you you can alter your jig size relative to your rod and your jig or cast weights Mm -hmm. uh and suit it to the retrieve that you want to do but usually you've got to suit it to the design and lure shape so whether it's a, a knife jig which is designed to go fast, or a flutter jig which we were using, which is designed for that sort of gentleman, gentlemanly uh, approach, or the blats which sort of do it completely themselves, and you can just use the rod tip.
0: What about uh, you love fishing that thirty meter mark and around this this beautiful country that we live in? Uh, the snapper can be caught whether you're up north for gold band snapper down south for the big, you know, um, I guess the old man snapper, mate. What what do you look for in your sounder? when you're targeting snap up in say 30 metres of water?
1: Initially, if if you're gonna look at the sounder before you go out, look for some uh, outer reefs slightly off off the coast, sort of individual or on their own. Um, But then once you're out there, definitely look for bait, look for structure, and look for current flow so it might be creating a pressure edge on the surface where bait is going to hold up and predators are going to lurk.
0: Bait doesn't always mean bigger fish and that's one thing I learned from you up north is that we were looking around we saw bait I would normally just drop my jig straight in there and and jig away for half an hour but you you would go no 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 keep just you know keep going so I handed the wheel to you you moved around you found the bait but then you found something around Mm -hmm. the bait
1: what was that? Uh, Well, normally you'll find a little lump which is going to hold maybe some reef or some weed or some structure, but then there's slight little arches or depending on your depth, might be quite large depending on the species. But um, yeah, you definitely want to give bait a go. Uh, Bait's a great sign. Every fish has got to eat. So it's just a matter of not, if there's too much bait around, you've actually got to find those arches and find the ones that are biting.
0: And that makes a big difference. Obviously when the fish are feeding you, because you you were saying there's one he's feeding, you could see the uh, boomerangs, so to speak, going up. And as soon as your jig on the way down, sometimes you didn't even get to jig, uh, you know, that, that uh, colt sniper, you were basically just getting that hook up on the way down. So the retrieve, didn't even occur but the spooling out of the lure would you know if you didn't have control of it you would uh you know you, you'd uh, you could get that overrun but that ocean jigger the f custom at 2000 NRHG, that has that little lever on the side that you can alternate the speed or the uh, as the lure drops down
1: correct yep mm.
0: that's a good thing mate um micro jigging you can choose the fish you want to target can't you like if they're you know if they're smaller boomerangs and then you drive along you see the bigger one obviously that's a bigger fish
1: yeah well it's never a guarantee but as you fish more you learn more and you ascertain sort of what fish do what profiles to look for and you can improve your target species and consistently along with like honing in the locations and sort of what they're feeding on so that can come down to color of the jig style of the jig size of the jig all that sort of stuff too
0: it makes a big difference obviously when you're using the right stuff in the right situation mate um how do the bigger fish come up on the sounder? What are they, uh, obviously, you know, th- th- they're going to be a, a, a thicker line or are they a yeah. longer
1: line? A nice, consistent red arch is what you're looking for on most sounders. If you start fiddling with the colour tones and palettes and stuff, it might be a blue arch or a red arch, but yeah. you'll know that depending on how you've changed or set up your sounder.
0: Yeah, we had the, we we're using the Garments. I found them to be uh, pretty good, obviously. I think most sounders these days are, are in top notch, but... Uh, you know that they they worked for us exceptionally exceptionally well but is it still um viable to drop the lure straight down or should you cast it upstream so your lure ends up on the deck beside you
1: yeah if you've got a bit of current or a bit of wind Uh, and you're not going to be able to to land straight on the fish, it definitely helps to cast up maybe five or even 10 metres just ahead, and then you'll drift back over, and then by the time it hits the bottom, you'll have that beautiful vertical situation where you can start to really work that jig perfectly.
0: You don't want to have the lure on a 45-degree angle behind you. There's always going to be uh, some sort of current, whether it's from wind or tidal movement, but your line will eventually go behind the boat. Um, How far... On an angle, should you just go, ah, I'm out of the zone, I, I need to wind it back in?
1: Well, ideally, you never sort of want to be at a 45. You, if you do get a fish, it's going to be pure luck at, at that sort of angle. But yeah. I like to work it from 0 to 15 really effectively. And then if you've got a few more in you, but sort of after that 15, it's really going to change the the angle and the use of the lure. Right, okay, fair
0: enough on that. And uh, the, the water column, once you've got your lure down there, what part of the water column do you want to stay in I mean you know do you work all the way to the top or do you just work the bottom 20 feet depending on the depth of course but what are we looking at
1: yeah well depending on the, the depth and the species well as well go back to the to the marks where are they feeding but generally I like to sort of work that five to ten for those bottom fish um, but again if you're chasing sort of more uh, pelagic species you you could work it up halfway to the to the top
0: right okay yeah. and that's where you will, because some fish you'll you'll get that hit. As you crank it back towards the surface, they'll just smash it. And if you don't get the bottom fish, I mean, we've hooked on a marlin and yellowfin tuna on the way back to the surface.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Incredible. So you never know. Can you micro jig in a river and
0: a creek for like Barramundi or Jack's?
1: You certainly can, uh, especially for jew and even for bass in impoundments. It's super popular these days.
0: Using the same sort of metal jigs, or are you running a little bit lighter?
1: Definitely a lot lighter, I guess, in those situations, because you might be fishing in sort of five to fifteen metres of water. Okay,
0: okay. So obviously, the heavier the lure, the deeper the depth, the lighter the lure, because you know a lot of places get hammered. There's a lot of pressure on places, particularly around major cities. You're in Sydney. I'm up on the on the Gold Coast. So you know we have the highest amount of registered boats per capita in the southern Hemisphere, two hundred and seventy-two odd thousand registered boats uh, in southeast Queensland alone. So when you get a good weekend, you know, there's a there's a truckload of boats out there. So working those local grounds uh, with the micro jig makes a massive difference because the fish aren't really used to it yet. And uh, you know you can you can get out there and, and hit those little pinnacles and find the fish. It's a great way to do it, mate. Once you're jigged and you're hooked up, okay. Using this technology of these particular. Yeah, the guy, game uh, type J, the slow jigs. Mate, do you point the rod straight to the bottom? Because they're so flexible, do you want to give the fish that little bit of extra room to move into a snag, or do you just try and? jam them back to the surface. What's the go?
1: In my opinion, use your rod. Uh, That's why you paid the big bucks for them. Put minimal stress on all components by maximizing like a fluid action between all of it. But generally, if you've got something a little bit bigger and you're a little bit afraid that it's going to get to the reef prior to, to your rod action, being able to slow it down, you can also thumb Uh, and point it slightly towards the reef or towards the fish and the structure.
0: Yeah, I I remember doing that up there with you as well. And, uh, you know, some of the fish were just ripping off and the drag was done up so tight, so tight. Like you'd cut your hand if you were trying to pull the drag off with using the braid around your fingers. And it was just ripping off and you'd hold the rod on that angle and it would just be going (laughs) straight through and the the water would be whipping up. And these things are just so big. You know, some of the fish that you caught were huge you know people saw them on today's show i'll step outside you know the dinosaur coral trout that's one fish that you wanted to go you got it
1: on a gym yeah it was definitely at the top of my hit list and i was stoked to get one of that size too well, we as saw- you can see with my face i was pretty happy mate, you, you,
0: like <laughs> a kid in a candy store mate <laughs> that was cool. yeah, exactly it was awesome and what about other species of fish there lero what what is What sort of fish can be caught whilst micro jigging?
1: As we were just saying before, almost everything, if you're lucky enough or smart enough, but Basically, from bass in the fresh, in the fresh, uh, all the way to your uh, river and reef species, and as we just said before, your pelagics and even blue water fish like marlin. So, you can pretty much catch them all,
0: mate. These colt snipers, there from Shimano, you've got a, a variety, you know, 100 gram, 80 grams, 60 grams, a variety of colors. These particular jigs come pre rigged, so that's the beauty. Anglers out there, you want to purchase these things, they come. Rigged. All you have to do is tie your line, your leaders, straight to the top of these. Now you have on these particular lures, there, Roy. You've got your, your your hooks. You've got the dacron going through to a a, um, a solid ring, to a split ring, and then to the top of the jig. Where do you tie your line?
1: Uh generally I tie to the ring. Yep. Uh, and that allows movement uh, for the lure, and also allows the hooks to float in like where they need to be for the for the strike.
0: I find that's a, the the best way because if your fish tends to pull away, it's not going to... Like, if you're pulling off your, uh, say, off the jig, the fish is attached to the hooks. If for any reason that something fails, which in this case would be the split ring, is that you are still attached to the fish by going to the ring where the hooks are. So that's... that's Fantastic. I think a lot of people don't know that, but that's generally the reason why we tie to the ring. I'd imagine. Is that right or wrong?
1: Yeah, definitely. There, there is other attributes as well. The the lure has been known to knock hooks out and stuff as well mm. if you've tied directly to it because it allows it to bang back into the fish. But yeah, that's that's pretty much your spot on the money, mate.
0: Mate, um, these hooks they, they're small. People will who are getting into marco jigging. I know there's a a lot of people who are you know from the response that we've had uh, initially over the past couple of weeks. A lot of people getting into this stuff now. Uh, Make the, the hooks, they are small, but don't be surprised, these small hooks can hold onto big fish. Yeah,
1: as the saying goes, elephants do eat peanuts, but those <laughs> hooks are super strong. And as you can see, even by catching those. 20 kilo gts on those tiny little things they definitely hold up to their own dude that made me laugh
0: when you said that on the on the program people would have seen that today <laughs> elephants do eat peanuts oh, right i never heard that one but i do like it mate um and they're, they're bloody sharp as well so uh just be aware everyone out there that these uh these things will uh, easily go into you do you crush your barbs mate do people need to crush their barbs
1: uh people don't have to but if you're on a really remote trip it's well advised because if you don't uh, you're going to have to pull them out. And if you're pulling them out with barbs... As I've worked out. As you worked out, yeah. You had one, what was it, in the chest, mate? Yeah, it
0: went into <laughs> the, the chest, mate, thanks to um, your yellowfin tuna, I believe it was. But uh, look, that's a different story. Mate, um, these particular lures, <laughs> anyone out there, uh, grab yourself a bunch of these Colt snipers. What other lures, uh, jigs, are you guys running there, mate, from Shimano?
1: Uh, we've got the sardine waivers and the pebble sticks as well at the moment.
0: Yeah, the Sardine waivers are good. You also got the Baku Baku. Is that right?
1: Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, that's another one that you loved a lot. Oh, that, they, those things didn't last long either, did
0: they? They are brilliant. They, they're like a little uh, octopus sort of a, a jig there, and um, they, they work very good. You guys, before these models came out, had a jig called the Lucanus, and I use the Lucanus jigs uh, well and quite often when we were charter fishing many, many years ago. For pearl perch and snappy, you just put one over the the deck, uh, leave the rod in the back corner, and as the rod would move up and down, this thing would just catch fish like you got no idea. And the baku baku's come out, and uh, these things are exactly the same sort of idea: single running head, so the head actually slides up and down your line, going down to that octopus sort of tail of of uh, of plastic and rubber in amongst the hooks. So it's a, it's a really good lure. So there's three different or four different options there for people to go out and put in your tackle box. But Leroy, mate, where does the next adventure take you to, mate?
1: Well, uh, hopefully COVID settles down a little bit, mate. Um, we're meant to be heading up to the Gold Coast actually next week. But um, mm. who knows? Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, every day is a uh, is a challenge. But as we say, every day also, you've got time to uh, to get your gear ready for that next fishing adventure. Hey, Leroy, i got to say a big thank you very much for uh, diving into the world of micro jigging because it is a bit of an unfamiliar step for many people. And I hope that, uh, this particular podcast helps those out who are wanting to, uh, to get involved into it. Cause I can assure you it is amazing. And, uh, Mate, thanks very much for your time.
1: Hey, not a problem, mate. Hope to speak to you again
0: soon. Thanks, mate. There you have it, everybody. Leroy Horton, he is the National Sponsorship PR and Events Manager for Australia, Shimano Australia. And that is it for another Step Outside podcast. You've been listening to Birdie. And, uh, of course, um, we always drop a new podcast every Sunday night. And the Step Outside Paul Burt Fishing Show, New episodes released every Sunday on Seven Mate around this beautiful country of ours, repeated the following Saturday, meaning we've got your weekend tied up. And of course, you can jump on to Seven Plus on catch-up and watch it whenever you want to see it. Of course, jump on down to your local Anaconda stores, and they'll support you by giving you the right advice at the right price. Take it easy, everybody. As we always say, may your rods bend often.